bittersweet toxicity. And I'm not a professional chef, but I do make my own pasta. It's something that I have fantasized about, but where we're living now, it's just never enough counter space. Like I could buy an arm that attaches to the counter and make my own, but I just don't think there's ever really going to be enough counter space or that it's really going to ever just be clean enough. So Vanessa, Vanessa, mm -hmm. we know it's not the counter space. Come on. It is though. No, no. Well, be, plus it's my be, cooking. Yeah. I saying you'd be found like catnips, like, Hey, um, uh, Vanessa seems to be tied up in the kitchen with pasta. Is this some sexy thing or should I cut her loose? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I've heard that Snickers really satisfies. So yeah, if you <laughs> need so satisfaction, funny. you're such a diva your until you have your Snickers. Come on. Yeah. Eat it. Yeah. 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 Your static is back. No, no. She's eating crackers. No, that's your static. <laughs> How about now? Okay, that's that's good for now. Yeah, we can do that. Well, but we can hear the hum of the dishwasher. Nope. Static. What? It's, so, I don't know what it is on your end. You might have to reset your broadband. The settings. Let's see if there's noise cancellation in here that's not on. Echo cancellation. Oh, boy. Echo cancellation's on. Yeah, it's kind of funny. You know what it says at the bottom of this page? If you're having issues, try restarting your device. It's a little bit better. I don't hear the static now with every word that you're saying. Yeah, but it's just going to come back in the worst possible minute. Like right now. I know. It's true. Not now. Okay. Not now. Okay. Not, right now. Right Not right now. now. Not now. Now. Not now. Not now. Not now. Not now. Not now. No. I'm going to cause Patty to choke. Welcome to episode seven of Bittersweet Toxicity. I'm your host, Vanessa, as ever joined by my fabulous friends, Patty and Mark. Hello. Good morning. <laughs> I'm trying to sound fabulous. <laughs> Hold your pinky out. That makes it better. Yes. When in doubt, well, have you heard that? When in doubt, pinky out. Except in that pose, you look like Dr. Evil. <laughs> Wait a minute. No. no, absolutely not, Mark. We are not putting any fingers into that strawberry or chocolate. Oh, my goodness. My already. Uh, so last we left, I was, um, I believe, fired from my job in North Carolina. And I had been talking with B at that point. And B said, well, you can come with me. Right. And I said, where, where are we going? And he said, well, I'm, you can come with me. We'll be out on the road together, going to the hotels. You can stay with me. Um, and then eventually we can find an apartment. So now all of the house that I had packed up, like the liquor boxes full of books and everything, I could only make a decision on like a few things. So it was one box, which then B told me I wasn't allowed to carry around in the car. Not, not allowed, but there, how you can't carry that in the car. There's not going to be room for that. What do you mean? There's not going to be room for that. Well, because now his friend L was going to join him on the road for work. So there wasn't going to be room between him and L and all of their clothes and their tools that they needed for work. 
So now this one box of possessions that I had, I wasn't, I couldn't take with me. I had, I had a very small, like suitcase, I think full of whatever essentials. Right. I go to pick B up at his place. The place I originally met him, that tin can trailer. Right. And or maybe, you know what? Let me think about that for a second, because maybe they weren't at the Tin Can trailer anymore. I think Elle had moved out and was staying on his parents' property in an RV. And so it was Tin Can trailer-like. Yes, but worse. So now we go to the RV, and I have my one box of stuff, and I drop it off at Elle's place, and I'm like very upset. I do not want to part with this box of belongings. It's like all I carried out of Eden. I I don't want to part with it. It makes me really uncomfortable. So I make B and L swear that my stuff was going to be safe there. And right, because both on of them, top of it, it's like the only thing you could take and you're leaving it at someone's house you barely know and you don't yeah. know if you can trust that it's going to be safe. Yeah, exactly. Right. So I'm, I don't, I don't know how I feel about any of this and no, no, don't worry. Don't worry. It'll be safe. It'll be safe. So from there we head South again. I don't remember where we were, Virginia, Maryland, doesn't matter. We get to a, a hotel. It's a red roof in. So if you're familiar with the red roofs, you walk out of your door and you're in the parking lot, not in a hallway. Or you walk out of your door and you're on like a balcony area where there's stairs. To, but we were on the first floor. So it was out to a parking lot. And by this point, there was definitely some tension between myself and L. So you know how he caused a wedge between me and my other friends right. by so pointing he, out. So he introduces you to his coworker and then sabotages the relationship. Well, I had known L, right? Because B and L were originally going to move down together to North Carolina when it was me and A living there. Right. But okay. now B is sabotaging L to me by just saying things that are not painting L to be in a favorable light. And I'm kind of getting to know L. And I'm very sarcastic. So at one point, I remember saying to B that, in my opinion, L was a terminal loser. When you, when you say like a terminal loser, like you, you're just not going anywhere. You're not right. smart enough to get out of your own way. You're not making good choices. You're not thinking about anything. You're just constantly acting impulsively and choosing bad things not, for you. Yeah, he's not a self-motivated person. Right. Yeah. So he was going to be- a Their overall trajectory is down. Right. And he was going to be a terminal loser because everything he put his hands on was going to slip right out of his grasp, whether it was a relationship or a job that he really wanted. Like it was just always going to slip away because he just couldn't figure it out to get a good enough grip on it and make it work for him. I think that the conversations that B and I were having privately, B was then having privately with L. So now sabotaging my relationship with Elle and making me look like the queen bitch. Yoko Ono. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Like I'm breaking up the boys. Here I come. Did he ever like, was he ever in a habit of praising anyone? Because it just feels like he negs on everyone. Like, Like everyone that comes up in the story, he's got a negative opinion of. 
Like it doesn't it just it seems like that's part of his thing. He couldn't say anything bad about Patty when and this is early, right? And she had just lost her I'm talking about you like you're not here. <laughs> Cover your ears, okay? <laughs> but she had just lost her husband and he could he still couldn't find anything negative to say about her. So he still really liked her. She thought she was fun and funny. Um, he liked my mother, uh, so he didn't really have anything bad to say about her. Both, I guess both my parents, because my father was alive then, too. He seemed to like and didn't say anything negative about them. But, yes, everybody else pretty much was something negative that he was finding. Yeah, I'm just interesting also that, like, the, the three people immune to the constant negative commentary are the ones where he stuck a wedge in there a couple times and it didn't work, and so then he gave up. So the three people you wouldn't let go of, he wasn't negging on constantly, right. but everybody else he right. was negging on constantly. No, he hadn't tried yet with Patty to put an, a wedge in there, and he hadn't tried yet with my parents. I'd be surprised if you would pay attention to it because it didn't actually go anywhere. But what I'm trying to get at is I will bet you that he poked at it a bunch of little, very tiny ways in the beginning, saw that there was a wall there and was like, all right, I'll leave that alone for now. I'm just I mean, saying, if there's a pattern of behavior where he does it to everybody else, like why I those feel things? like, you know he's very good at manipulating and he can read a situation well so he was doing that and what and putting wedges and talking negatively about people that he knew could influence you at, with those people and not with the people he knew he can't influence your opinion on those people you know like, right you, you know you can make the metaphor of like a, you know the chink in the armor or whatever like if he saw that he was able to make a little crack or whatever and you know the pressure starts opening it but with some people he couldn't manage to make that crack yeah you know? and you weren't like, noticing the initial pokes you were just noticing when he stuck the wedge in the crack it started hammering on it then you were like right. hey even in retrospect you're like it's kind of weird i you know he introduces me to his co-worker and immediately starts slagging this guy like it's strange so it sticks out in your mind so you remember it well, when he was making a joke about patty and you didn't like jump on the bait it was such a non-thing that you just don't remember it. That's what right. I'm getting at. Like, all the little things, you've already discarded them. You know, you may not even remember, but it just feels like this person works in such an organized, meticulous, like, it might not even be conscious behavior on their part, like, but they do it all the time. So it's just kind of interesting who they chose not to And do they're it to. so good at it, you know? Like, people, like, like him they're so good at manipulating you know it's just, well it just was so weird to me because they had been friends for a few years at this point and they seemed really tight and now all of a sudden he's he is talking all this negative stuff but then the only person that i see a strain with is between me and l not between l and b but what right. I think was happening was B was saying a lot of things, but then also saying that I was saying 
all of the things that B was saying. So like right. I had my own input and I think B was magnifying it and spinning it to drive that wedge there because he couldn't have us getting along. A lot of this weirdness. I don't even know if it goes that far. I do yeah, agree. I don't know like, I, I, but I, I just feel like, like, uh, you know, uh, you, me and Patty go to a bar right now. Uh, you're going to be the center of attention because you're the person that connects the two of us. Like, you know, we might have a lot to say to each other, but I'm just saying like the moment we show up at the bar, we're both there for you. Like that's the connection that makes us connect. So by keeping the two of you from becoming friends, he remains the center of attention. 99% of all of this crap is about like, I'm going to be the center of attention. You know, a lot of I never thought of it that way. Is, right. is, yeah. Is, yeah. Is, it's like, you know, what are we doing? I'm the one who gets to decide because everyone looks at me because I'm right. the person that they could, you know what I mean? It, it, it's all that shit. It's all about yes. like dominance, posturing, and attention. It, yes, I agree with yeah. that. I feel like it's more about controlling everything and being the center of attention and have, you know, more than him being concerned that something physical or sexual would occur between you and Nell. I think it comes stems more from having to be in control of everything and especially of who you are interacting with. Gotcha. I never thought of it that way, but yeah, I can see that point. Well, well also think about it this way. Um, when I'm like, you know, uh, come on, girl, like, you know, I, 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 I'm so jealous because you're so sexy. So that's why I'm such a weirdo when you're around other guys. That sounds really strange, but it sounds less creepy than, you know, I'm insecure. So I really don't like you talking to other people. It makes me angry. So I'm going to be a dick every time you talk to other people right. because it makes me angry. Uh, you know what I mean? The, those two comments, one of them sounds really weird and jealous and strange right. and, you know, I, I, it probably red flags galore. But it's a hell of a lot more acceptable to say than the other one, which is right. what was really going on. Right. You know, it's right. not like he's going to, you know, he's going to claim to be jealous because, you know, being a controlling freak is not attractive. Worse. Yeah, that's worse than just being worried that, you know, cheating might happen. It's worse to be like, I need to control you. Well, you know, what's really funny is that yeah. remember back when I took him out to the piano club and he went up to the bar with that girl, there right. was a night where he and I went to a bar and I want to say there was one or two seats in between me and, and there was another guy at the bar. Well, B went to the bathroom and I was just sitting there and the guy started talking to me. I didn't think it was flirtatious. Like we were legitimately having a conversation about nothing. Um, nothing important or nothing that mattered and b came back from the bathroom saw the two of us talking there was room for him to sit in that seat instead he stood there and stared at me in between me and the guy and i remember looking up at him and said well like after a few minutes like okay what are you doing why are you standing there and he said i'm waiting for you to get up and move down he wanted me to move one more seat away from this guy and sat in between me and this guy because this guy was talking to me. But if it were him, it would and have been. Another, and another woman, he would, you could be sitting there all night and he would continue the conversation. Exactly. Him. Yeah. And be like, what? It's just innocent. She's just nice. Nothing's going to happen. Whatever nonsense. But yeah. Right. I, Mind you, it has nothing to do with that and all about that. He's now ignoring you and paying attention to a perfect stranger 
for the whole night like he did to you that night like right it, you know it it's not even a matter of jealousy or anything like that it's a matter of you came here with me you're disrespecting me on so many levels like not just you know it could have been a man you know what i mean it could have been a man he's disrespecting you by ignoring you you went there together and he's now spending the entire night talking to someone else right yeah mm -hmm. that it didn't matter like if you just talked to the bartender all night right and it was a woman it's right. still you know right. like you know did you come here to talk to the bartender or did you come here to hang out with me exactly. right yeah i get it so but it, it, it's it's uh I feel too that's like a tactic to minimize you and make you feel invisible and, and like like just chip away at your self love and you know what I, I mean like yeah. there's so much there I feel like he was such like a master manipulator it's just well insane. and by the end of it I really did feel like the fattest shortest ugliest troll in america like who mm -hmm. would ever want me or who would ever talk to me that's how much he had chipped away at me with maneuvers like this and with maneuvers of making me the least desirable person to be around right. with his friends with with anybody he just really injected himself into that to make it so that I really was isolated all of the time. Right. So when we were in whatever state we were in, he and Elle were at work one day. And again, I'm so sorry, Mark. I have this opportunity and I didn't take it. I found B's old cell phone and we had, he had gotten me a new cell phone. He had gotten himself a new cell phone. So I found this old cell phone and I plugged it in and charged it. And now when I go in and start reading the text messages, I find out exactly where he was the night that Kay disappeared when he wasn't answering his phone. Mm -hmm. And he wasn't in an area that was out of service. He was with the ex-girlfriend, the crazy ex-girlfriend, not the toxic one, but the one he told me was crazy and they were, they were never in a relationship and all of this other stuff. But he sent a message to some, one of his friends saying something about a hot tub. Is there a hot tub there? Cause Jay and I want a hot tub. God. So now. Uh, nice human soup yeah now i walk to the parking lot of this hotel and i'm standing there with my keys and b's phone and there was other stuff in there to a few other girls that was questionable nothing cut and dry that clear but there was some stuff in there that i was like hmm i wonder you know something might be going on and i remember standing in the parking lot and thinking i i need to leave i need to go right and i just stood there and it was like shock and i'm was frozen and i realized i don't know where to go i don't want to go home to k because that's a whole horrible soup of sadness and i don't want to go home to my parents 
I don't know where to go. I don't, I don't even feel like I have a place to go. I felt utterly alone standing there in this parking lot, confused and sad. And, and what do I do? And I, I didn't have an answer. So I did what any normal girl would do. I messaged some of the phone numbers. Yes, yes. You were like, hmm, let's see. Should I go to Walmart and make some friends by hugging people in the parking lot? No, let me text some of the numbers on this phone. Sounds like yeah. a great plan. Yeah, <laughs> it was a bad plan because, of course, one of the girls was still, like, tight with me because of whatever was happening between them. Either they were good friends or there was some, I don't want to call it romance, but some physicality happening between the two of them. So I pretended to be a friend of myself. And I asked questions about them and the person wrote back that she didn't want to be involved. I don't really want to be involved in any of this, which I thought was cold because honestly, if I got a weird message like that from somebody, I probably don't want to be involved, but I also am going to be surprised and go, what do you mean? You're the girlfriend. Then again, you might also send her like a hairdryer. <laughs> <laughs> and a Snickers. <laughs> but uh um yeah the uh yeah uh, this is like you know trying to parse good decisions three decisions past the point where you made a bad decision. <laughs> it's, like, yeah, I, it's like why are we talking to this person to begin with? Right. <laughs> I, I don't have an answer for you. I think I was so cut adrift at this point. And I know why you did it because you wanted whoever you messaged to be like, no, absolutely nothing's going on. Uh, you know, you even though you knew stuff was going on. Uh, I don't know if I agree with that pat of an analysis. I think I wanted someone to tell me the truth, regardless of what that truth was. If that person had written me back, your boy banged me 12 ways from Sunday and then ate a three course meal off of my ass, I would have said, okay, I don't know what that would have prompted me to do, but at least I would have had that. I get the fact that you were perhaps, you know, at this point and you know, you're like, I'm looking for truth, but that's not that you would have preferred to find that out. Like what you wanted out of that phone call was, uh, you know, what are you talking about? Like, you know, he fixes the pipes on my like shed. Like, that's how I know him. What are you even talking about? That's that, I get what Patty's saying. It's not a matter of like, you know, you're like, hey, I would have been happy just to know what was going on straight up honest. But you still want it, it to be, you know. Nothing. Oh, right. oh this is right. a complete misunderstanding. Right. That would have been perfect. Because right. part of what I was thinking of here is, is you're going like, oh, Mark, you're going to get mad again. And, I'm, you know, you're now sitting in a parking lot with all of his crap in this car like if you leave with the car you've he's now effectively like made himself into a parasite that lives on your butt like right. like this whole shenanigan with the car like for you to decide like oh we're done and roll off you know you're living out of a hotel room so if you take the car he's got a hotel room no way to make a living because he needs to get from place to place to do these jobs to get paid you know what I mean? So he's going to be stuck in a, in a motel in the middle of nowhere and screwed. So he he put you on the hook. Like Not so, even that, when you find this, at, you can't just leave. Not just that. Looking at your own, you know, your only thing, your only like possessions that let's say prized possessions or things that are dear to you are at his friend's house. 
that's really a big draw there, right? And I'm yeah. so glad you said that because that is definitely part of what I felt standing in that parking lot was my stuff. How how do I go and get my stuff now right. that I don't feel inclined to leave behind? It's mine. It's very few things. I want it. I need it back in my life. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm getting at is that like, you know, he's got a hostage and you're all mixed up in his business. Like, yeah. like, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm sure that didn't happen accidentally. No, absolutely not. No. So from there, now we head back to the town close to where I where I found him. It's like the next town over, just as poverty struck. Maybe a little bit more stuff happening there, shops and things like that. And this is where, when I move way, way up into the mountains, this is where most of your people go and do the shopping in this one town because they have the Walmart and the mega grocery stores and all that stuff. We get to this town. And B is like, okay, well, now we need to find a place to live. And we've got this hotel, motel, a motel, not a fancy hotel. One of those places where you can rent out a room that has, I don't want to say like a kitchen, because I don't remember there being a kitchen, but it was a big room. And Mm. B, and there were you know, there was furniture in there and stuff. And B said, well, all right, well, you know, this is going to be where we stay for a while. Like, this is going to be our home away from home. And this, like, the floors were crooked and the people there were so nice and they really tried to be very friendly and make it homey. But it was a very sad, crooked little motel. And we were there for approximately two days. And then we were on to the next thing. And at one point, B said to me, rather than like driving him around everywhere, we should get him a car. And it was $2,500, but the truck was registered. I had to get it registered in my name. I had to spend the whole day at the DMV now calling the insurance company to get K removed from the policy and to get the policy put only in my name and to get a new truck added and to get my driver's license switched over from North Carolina to New York. Like it was much more than I had anticipated doing. I wasn't ready for any of it. And you were obviously not being very tidy considering like, you know, with your, 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 your various life connections, considering you, you were just at this moment taking K off your insurance. Yeah. Like I'm just saying like, that's an indication that you weren't really keeping on top of things either. No. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I just was, I left. Right. And I was, very sad when I got fired from my job in North Carolina, but I didn't want to fight it because I really wasn't ready to be out there working. But yeah, now I'm completely adrift and feeling homeless, which my mom used to argue with me about and tell me, you're not homeless. You can come here or you can go back home to your home in North Carolina. But the feeling inside was being homeless because as cliche as it is home is where your heart is and my heart was nowhere 
You had nowhere to put a head on a pillow that was yours. That's right. that's homeless. Right. You know what I mean? Even if, you know, uh, 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 our friend G is on his way over here to spend a few weeks up to a month sleeping on my couch. That's still homeless. Right. Even if you're, you're not, not homeless. You're not roofless. You're homeless. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> There's another word that's dangerous. Roofless. You're so roofless. <laughs> Don't mess with me, man. I don't I'm ruthless. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I just was completely adrift and now I bought this stupid tool, a truck, and it all had to be in my name. So now I have another burden that I have to carry around that's not really mine and I can't feasibly track in any real sense of the word. Right. Uh, I'm sorry, Vanessa, but like, you know, there's a couple of red flags here that you just walked right by. Right. <laughs> I just waved. I just looked at them and went. Ooh, flags! I love that color red. It's yeah. so pretty. Ooh, this is like that artwork with all the flags, right? Yeah. This really ties the whole landscape together. Yes, yes. <laughs> How else will I know which direction the wind is blowing? Yes. What all the red flags um, are for, right? Yeah. I'm just a mess at this point, a complete and total mess, pretending to be my friend, my own friend, messaging other women, buying him a truck, and just putting all of my faith in him that he's going to make my life amazing. And and starting to, to realize my life is not really amazing because now i'm following him in my car to different job sites like once he gets his truck fixed but initially we were still together because the truck just had to be and i wasn't paying for a water pump and i wasn't doing the work so the truck sat parked at his parents they had a detached big garage so it sat parked at his parents home for a long time until the money to pay for a water pump and the time to go help his father install it. Right. So we're just driving around, spending all of this time in hotels. So the deal with the, his job is for the most part, there was a day shift and a night shift and everybody worked 12 hours. So like day shift would go in maybe from seven in the morning to seven at night. And then night shift would go in from seven at night to seven in the morning. So there was like a little bit of overlap there. Staying in the hotels, because the company is paying for them, you get your daily per diem or whatever, but the company is paying for the hotels. Most of the time you have a roommate. So, and you room with a night shift guy. So there's one guy who sleeps in there in the day because he works at night. And then the other guy comes back from work and he sleeps there, you know, at night. So now I'm so, driving. Yeah. So while he's working, you can't be in the room because someone else is in the room. Right. I mean, I could be, but how uncomfortable? Because I right, don't know this right, other guy. Right. So, so now. to be in your car, essentially, when he's working. Yes. So now it's like I'm even more homeless because now every day I've got to find a new parking lot to park in. Yeah, now, now you're becoming crafty homeless. You're like, I know the yeah. parking lot in town where the cops won't rouse me. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you can't park at Target because if the cops don't rouse you, the seagulls will. I was in my car and I had a sunroof and I was closing my eyes to sleep a little bit and I hear 
tapping. Okay, so now we've entered Edgar Allan Poe territory, and I would say I'm sorry, but this is a real story. I hear a tapping on the sunroof. I look up, and there is a bird tapping and then like tapping its feet so it's tapping its beak at me and tapping its feet at me and i am horrified oh my god <laughs> like it is <laughs> i don't know if you have ever been stalked by a seagull by a bird no either that seagull thought i was food or thought <laughs> i had to have food in that car somewhere and it was so person mother oh my god it was so motherfucking creepy because it was it would it would i would look up it was like maybe she's dead and we could eat her eyes no because i would look up and it would tap again so i tried closing the sunroof you know um what is that called the shade so i pulled oh, right, that closed right, right. and then the bird started tapping even louder and i was like this motherfucking bird is gonna break through the glass don't ignore me. Don't ignore me. <laughs> I want to come in. Listen, maybe, ooh, I have an idea. Do you think it's possible that some of the seagulls are Jehovah's Witnesses? <laughs> maybe. Maybe from the seagull's angle, he could see the Cheetos under the seat. Oh my god. It wanted to come in and talk to me about its lord and savior. Yes. Mine. Mine. Right. So this was my life for the next few months. And I would talk to Patty. I would talk to a couple of other friends. And and really what I was saying was how wonderful it was to everybody. This is so great. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have to worry about anything. I don't have to worry about you know, making the bed or doing the laundry. This is fantastic because I just live in these hotels and everybody does everything for me. Right. So, and there were some, you know, very lucky times where I had enough money to pay for a hotel room for me and B so that I could actually sleep and right. stay in the room and not have to get up, which yeah. to be fair, didn't really work because B got to a point where like I said, I don't know how he kept going, but he certainly couldn't let me relax at all. God forbid that I sat down for more than three minutes of time because now he wanted me to drive him in in the morning to the job site. Then he wanted me at 10 o'clock in the morning to bring him his cup of coffee. Then he wanted me to come back at noon to take him to lunch. And then he wanted me, we would go to lunch together or bring him lunch and we would sit and eat in the car. And then he wanted me to come back at three with another cup of coffee. No, because that way too, he had you, like you couldn't do anything. He had you right. under his thumb. Bring, going back and forth, back and forth. It didn't give you time to do anything, to make friends, to nothing. Right. Uh, something that struck my brain when you were like, oh, for like two months of this. Uh, uh, if you really think about it, what else sounds like? I run you around. I don't let you sleep. I make you do all sorts of new things. And it lasts for about eight weeks. It's called basic training. Um, this is how you psychologically destroy someone and then put them back together. Yes. You run them around. You don't let them sleep. You keep them busy all the time. 
and you start letting them rest while telling them what to do and all of a sudden you're like a genius right oh my god i never even thought about it like that that's crazy yeah and then of course always with the promise of giving me a baby right which didn't happen um we tried but i don't know like i apparently seem to be after that miscarriage just sort of reproductively broken and now in menopause so it just didn't happen for me which is fine i'm good with it especially when it comes to him because i think having that permanent tie to him would be horrendous horrible yes i believe that the universe works in mysterious ways sometimes yes yeah and in this way not so mysterious because the universe was like <laughs> you will not have a baby so yeah i mean i was exhausted all of the time and i think it took me to get to a point where i told him i wasn't gonna bring him his afternoon coffee anymore like i'm just not gonna do it it's just too much running around i see you i'll pick you up at five um and the tra some of the areas the traffic was so bad that by the time i dropped him off at work and got back to the hotel room it was 10 minutes and it was time for me to leave to fight traffic to go, again right. to go get him coffee this just feels intentional to me yeah definitely yeah definitely and i didn't see it now that you guys are saying it of course in hindsight i'm like oh my god oh my god my mind is blown you guys are right not this is gonna have weird dreams tonight watch we do <laughs> to ice loose she's gonna have like bizarre dreams tonight like, at the time I was too exhausted to even think about it. Right. So I slept when I could. Like if I got five minutes in the car in the parking lot before being rousted by a goddamn police Jehovah's Witness seagull, you know, I was lucky. So like it was all the time. And I did. I felt strung out and exhausted to a point where I couldn't think rationally how can i think about anything if i don't have more than 10 minutes and then to fill up my empty time i would call friends of mine to just sell this you know multi-level dream of you know look i get to like a boss babe you know i get to live my own life and i have all this freedom and i can do what i want meanwhile I'm free to cry in a parking lot while being harassed by a seagull. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Meanwhile, I'm too embarrassed to tell people I'm exhausted. And, you know, now my leg is starting to hurt. I'm getting sciatica up near my butt and my left leg because I can't. I've been sitting for so yeah, many hours. Yeah, you're sitting in your car all the time. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's, it's worse. Like, in terms of impairment, it's on a par with drinking like literally like they've done any number of studies like if you just prevent people from sleeping and then let them drive worse it's oh, it's yeah. it's actually worse like you know what i mean like in terms of like you know what i mean you you, you can't make effective judgments you can't you know make effect you know what i mean it is it it, it breaks your ability to adult <laughs> like yeah. you know yeah. you turn into a whiny child when you're tired yeah mm -hmm. difficult to avoid even Really? I, I will tell you that for years I didn't drink coffee. I didn't like the flavor. I didn't like it at all. And then getting with B, I actually had to start drinking coffee because it was like the only thing coffee and Red Bull. And I now like coffee. It's funny I've had that, it's funny that you say that because I think both of us started drinking coffee really late in our lives, you and I. Yeah. I didn't start drinking coffee until Bor until Boris passed away. Until B passed away. 
um, I didn't like the taste of coffee either. And then all of a sudden I started liking coffee and now I drink black coffee. Like I drink black coffee. I don't put anything in it even, which then I read an article that people that drink black coffee are like sociopaths or psychopaths. Or psychopaths. We're psychopaths. It's all good. Now that I think about it, I feel like I've turned into like a 75 year old man. I drink black coffee and whiskey. Black coffee, black coffee, whiskey. Are you smoking cigars? No, not yet. All right, there. You know, you, you've maintained yourself at a 50 year old man. You're not a 70 year old man. I do, I do like the idea of smoking a pipe though. It looks very- Oh funny. my God, just skip, just skip straight over cigars to 90. <laughs> I love you. I, I love I, you so much. I, I'm going to have my evening whiskey with my pipe. We uh. went one night, we were in Jersey, and we went all the way to his parents for, he wanted, he was like, I'm craving my mother's, stepmother's lasagna. So we went all the way, like, when I tell you, it was probably like five-hour drive up to where his parents lived for this lasagna so we drove and he said well we'll get a hotel well there is no hotel in this town there's these little inns and if you arrive after 7 p.m the inns are closed you can't get in so now we're driving and he goes well we'll just go stay at my parents <clears throat> 3 a.m we arrived now i just got done driving this whole way and driving him around all day he Got to sleep in the fucking car the whole way. We get there. Now I'm strung out because I'm tired. So I did one of those things where when you go to sleep, you don't actually sleep. Your eyes are closed, but you can like hear everything and you're mostly awake and it's not really a restful sleep. And then the next day, very early in the morning, we have, you know, a small child running around waking us up because they all live together his parents his brother his brother's girlfriend his brother's kid two sisters it was like a whole house full of people so we're being woken up at like 7 a.m or something like that where i'm like just starting to fall asleep Mm -hmm. by this kid now i can't i can't sleep when my grandparents would come to visit they would come from brooklyn we would have dinner by like one or two o'clock in the afternoon, maybe three, so that my grandparents would be on the road back to Brooklyn by like four or five. Like they would help clean up the kitchen, but they'd be on the road back to Brooklyn. So my whole thought process was fine, whatever. We're going to spend five hours in the car driving all the way up here and sleep. We're going to have dinner early and we're going to get back to the hotel because you have to be at work the next day and I've got to get some effing sleep. Right. No, we didn't. We ate dinner early and then he continued to hang out to the point where now I'm doing that whole meltdown implosion thing. I did fall asleep on the couch for a few minutes. And when I say a few minutes, it was like maybe 20 minutes. And then I like a certain type of like noise ambience when I'm driving. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I like music, but for the most part, I want to listen to Howard Stern a book, a podcast. I want to listen to something that's going to keep my mind awake and interactive. Music isn't going to do that for me. So he climbs up over the back of my seat. So like his legs are hanging into like where the driver's side is, like the front part of the car. And then he's laying on a bunch of shit in the back. 
and he's sleeping, I turn the music off and I put on some talk radio or whatever it was that I was listening to at the time. He got up. That motherfucker got up and said, turn this shit back to music. I can't sleep with this talking. And I said, I'm driving you and I need to listen to sound. I need to listen to talking to keep me awake. I'm exhausted. I didn't even fucking sleep. And he said, I don't fucking care. I've got to work tomorrow and I'm sleeping right now. So you've got to turn this to music. I will tell you this girl today, I will break your fingers. This girl today would drag you out and leave you on the side of the road and then listen to talk radio for the 10 minutes that it took (laughs) for me to find a hotel. And I would stay at a nice Fairfax or Marriott or something else where I would get the most wonderful night's sleep in their beautiful, luxurious beds. (laughs) And then I would wake up the next morning and take a hot shower for as long as I wanted and have a hot breakfast for as long as I wanted and then go the fuck home as as we said this is a painful learning experience you wanted to share so we have to go through the painful part yeah that girl back then just let him switch the radio station right and kept driving to the point where i had to keep opening the window to get air in because i was so exhausted and i didn't want to fall asleep we (laughs) left his parents house i want to say it was like maybe seven or eight o'clock at night. And now we're talking a five hour trip. I don't think we got back to the hotel till midnight. So now you're talking of, I'm going to get less than four hours of sleep. If I'm lucky before you, before you have to bail. Yeah. Yeah. Before I have to take his dumb ass into work the next day. I think that was like really the first time where I was really, really angry and really feeling like I, and I think I told him I'm getting a hotel room for us tonight and I'm not taking you to work in the morning. Like I'm sleeping in. And I don't remember if that happened or not. Like you yeah. take the car, I'll sleep kind of thing. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I don't remember if that happened. I know it did a few times, but I don't remember if that was one of the times or if I just got my dumb ass up and just like a little puppy dog followed him around like, okay, I'll get you to work, no problem. And it's very, very hard to exist on a same level playing field when you are dealing with pockets of sleep oh it's very hard definitely you're not at all at your best in fact you're at just about your worst like right so yeah not only are you being like manipulated slightly brainwashed if you want to say you're being sleep deprived which makes all the manipulation even worse I can't imagine the whole, like, you know, bring me my coffee, bring me my lunch wasn't designed to prevent her from sleeping. Oh, I I just find it It a hard time believing it wasn't intentional. It was designed to prevent her from sleeping. It was designed from to prevent her from having any kind of life outside of him. Period. Like. Yeah, yeah, because because she was all set to like just go to parking lots and hug people, so she could have met friends in new towns. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, and it was you know, I I think I had just enough sleep to keep me from going really insane, but not enough sleep in terms of making very good rational decisions. Right. And this was you know the next couple of months of my life, so. Thank you for joining us at Bittersweet Toxicity. The show was brought to you by North Circus Productions, LLC. 
Artwork was done by Vin Lisa. Music was mixed by me, Vanessa. Sound effects were borrowed from Zapsplat. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Bittersweet Toxicity Podcast. And if you would like to support the hosts, you can find us at Bittersweet Pod on buymeacoffee.com.